0: Thanks, Dave. That's going to stay there for the morning. Um, I love that video because, you know, I I love being part of the vineyard. I love every part of the body of Christ. um, But, you know, the vineyard lets me be me. And um, and that is why I just love being part of the vineyard. (coughs) And, you know, as I was watching that, I was thinking about the amazing thing that, you know, the things that God has done through the Vineyard Movement, through the ages, those songs that were up there. I mean, when I became a Christian, those were the songs that let me connect with God. And I love the heritage. But while I was watching that, the Spirit was just saying to me, Trent, the best is yet to come. You know, the best songs haven't been written yet. The best sermons haven't been preached yet. The best churches haven't even been planted yet. The best is yet to come. The kingdom is advancing. We're, we're moving forward as a movement and as, as a body of Christ, and I just love that. I want to start by, you know, a bunch of guys meet on Sunday mornings to ask the Lord what is on his heart for healing. We're part of a healing movement. You guys know that. So this is, these are some of the things that is, uh, that is on God's heart for the morning. I'm going to read them out now. We're going to pray for them at the end of the service. But um, these are some of the things that the Lord pointed out to the prayer team this morning. So if you have a, um, if you have a thick tongue uh, and, and you want some healing for that, if you have a sore ring finger, so I'm, I'm assuming that'll be that guy over there, if you have soreness at the back of the nose, so back of the nose. Um, muscle soreness at the upper front of of your legs, so you know that this area over here. Um, if you have uh, itchy eyes, ha- it could be hay fever. So if that's uh, if that's something that um, speaks to you, uh, then file that one away. Uh, difficulty in walking upstairs, um, and they've got ankle written here as well. If you've got a persistent cough. Maybe even you've, you're over the flu, but you've still got that persistent cough. And if you've got earache. Now, that's not an exhaustive list. These are just some of the things that the Lord has put on the prayer group's heart for, for healing this morning. And we're going to have a chance to pray for those. And I wanted to read those up front because after watching that video, we are a healing movement. That's one of the things that—one uh, of the graces that flows on the Vineyard Movement. And I love that, but it's actually quite— I'm I'm, going to sort of share a little bit about myself and and, and where I am in all of this this morning. Because if I have to be honest, sometimes it's actually really hard to be part of a healing movement. It can be really hard. We're lucky in that, you know, even us as a church, we've we've had people come through this church to speak about authority and power and healing. We've had Robbie Dawkins has come, uh, Randy Clark. We've had Ken Fish come on multiple occasions. We've had Kirk and Nicole Delaney. Um, You know, we've had some of the big guns come through the church to speak about power and authority. And if I look at what they preach and what they teach us, and I look at my life and, and what I've experienced and what I've walked through, what I've done, the things that I've tried, sometimes I'm left with this question of, Why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it work? I'll ask the question in another way. It's like I look at my life and something is clearly broken in my life. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for someone on the street or I've stopped someone in the middle of Woolworths who's been limping and asked to pray for them or I've at healing on the streets over at Woody Point, we prayed for people. I've prayed for people in my family, and it's like you pray, and you press in, and you risk it, and it's, it's almost just like nothing happens, and you press in, and you try, and and it gets to this point of frustration and hurt, where I've got to be honest, I've actually reached that point in my life where I've just said, God, no more. I can't do this anymore. I really can't. I, I've stepped out in faith, and, and I don't care that it's spelled I'm not doing this stuff anymore. You know, I just can't. I just feel like I'm stepping out, and, and, and God is just not backing up His end of the deal. And I take some confl- consolation in the fact that I'm not the only person who's walked through this. I know John Wimber even, um, back when they first started the church, he started preaching in the book of Luke. And uh, four months into it, he got to Luke 9. And of course, this is where we start speaking about healing. And for the next eight months... He only preached on the book of Luke and on healing. And every single Sunday, he would invite people come up to come up and get some prayer for healing. And the people that were praying ended up catching the diseases of the people who were sick. Nobody got healed. People were frustrated. Um, and John Wimber, he, he writes... At one point, he cries out to God saying, Lord, we're doing what you're saying and it isn't working. It's not fair. Why aren't you backing up your word? And the Lord had to say to him, John, preach my word, not your experience. And the Lord has said the same thing to me. And so I press in, I press into healing and I press into seeking the kingdom of God and to to try and learn how to do this stuff. And um, in the the vineyard, we've got a theology of the now and the not yet, right? We know that the kingdom of God is here, but the kingdom of God is still coming. And and that is some explanation as to why we don't see healing in in the church and and in our ministries. But I just said to God one day, that is great, but that doesn't explain how little breakthrough I see in my life when I pray. I want to see so much more than what I see. And the Lord explained it to me like this. He said, Trent, the kingdom of God is is like a brand-new flat-screen TV that you buy, and you take it home, you set it up, you plug it in, you turn it on, and all you see is a blank screen, nothing but a blank screen. Now, sometimes you can just blame the TV that there's something wrong with the TV, but that's not the only thing in the equation. So there's also a manual that you're supposed to be reading. Maybe the manual's wrong, and it's telling you to do the wrong thing, plug the wires in the wrong places. Or maybe I just never actually bothered to read the manual or I misunderstood what the manual was saying. So in this instance, the, the kingdom of God is obviously the flat screen TV. And we're trying to answer the question of why it is that when we pray for someone, we just see a blank screen on the TV. The manual in this instance is obviously the Bible and I am me. So when I pray for someone for healing and nothing happens, Is it because the TV is broken? Well, sometimes, yes, it is. Um, We know that we've got the now and the not yet theology of the kingdom. So, sometimes the TV is, in fact, broken. Is the manual wrong? Okay. In the vineyard, we believe in the authority of Scripture. We believe it is God-breathed, and so the manual is not wrong. Maybe it's me. Now, as crazy as that might seem this was a bit of a revelation for me so um because we speak about the now and the not yet of the kingdom quite a lot but for God to say hang on Trent maybe you're doing something wrong it was a little bit of a revelation for me as as um, crazy as that might seem so I want to jump ahead just a little bit now to a few months ago Karen and I um we we run a kinship I'm going to speak about kinship a lot, by the way, and if you're not in a kinship, you should be in a kinship. There's my shameless plug for kinships. Um, So we run a kinship, and uh, for about a year, we walked through with our kinship on uh, some teaching about the kingdom of God, because as a group, we wanted to learn how to do this stuff. And uh, one of the verses that we went through when we were talking about authority and power was this one. One day, uh, this is from Luke 9, verses 1 and 2. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples, and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So Jesus gave them power and authority. We need power and authority. You see how Jesus sent people out? He gave them authority to do something, and then he gave them the power that would back them up when they went out to do it. So the good news is that as Christians, we do have both power and authority. Authority comes from who we are and what we're supposed to do, and power comes from the presence of God. But we need to have both. So in my instance, in my case, where I'm seeing very little happen, or at least not nearly as much as I want to, what is it that I'm lacking? Am I lacking power or authority? And the answer is actually both. But it's not because I never had it. It's because I, in my process of living a Christian life, had become very, very good at getting rid of the power and authority that God had given me. So if you look at sort of me and at my darkest, lowest moment when I had that revelation that I have been given giving away the power and authority that I have, and you want to be like that, then this is your lucky morning because I'm gonna give you some fantastic tips on how to get rid of all of this power and authority in your life. You know, if you're you're tired of praying for people and just seeing them get healed or uh, praying for breakthrough and you just see breakthrough happen all the time, or maybe you're just trying to live your life and people keep bothering you because they wanna know about Jesus and they say, please, can you introduce me to Jesus? If you want that to stop, I'm gonna give you some good tips on how to get rid of power and authority in your life. Okay, you too can be like me. So, step one. If you are unhappy with the amount of authority in your life, well, it's easy. You could just give it away. Step number one. All right, it worked for Adam and Eve. It can work for you. Um, before I dive into that, let's just, let's just have a look at this. I'm already in a situation where I'm thinking about um, wanting to, you know, I've given away power and authority but why, why am I telling you that you have to give it away when some of you are thinking, hang on, but I already don't have enough. Why do I need to give this stuff away? Do I already have it? Authority comes from two places, okay? Authority comes from who you are and what you've been told to do. If you're a Christian, you have been adopted into the family of God. You're a child of the king. Bad luck, you've got authority. If you are a Christian, have you been commissioned? Well, we've got this thing called the Great Commission, right? Where Jesus said, I want all of you to go out and I want you to make disciples of all nations. He's also said, I want you to go out. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to feed the poor. I want you to care for the widows and the orphans. You've got a job to do. Bad luck. You've got authority. Jump back to kinship. So... After, after we did this series on the kingdom of God, Karen and I felt led to start a series on the Holy Spirit. And the first Sunday that we, uh, the first Wednesday that we started this series on the Holy Spirit, I spent a bit of time thinking about, well, who is the Holy Spirit? And we had this kind of revelation moment as a kinship that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It is not, it's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. And um, if you think that that's obvious, I mean, just think how many times you hear people speak about the Holy Spirit as an it. You know, I saw the Holy Spirit, and it was hovering over the water. But we don't speak about the rest of the Trinity that way. You know, I saw Jesus, and it was at the right hand of the Father. We don't do that. The Holy Spirit is a person, a full person of the Trinity. And in that evening, um, we, there was kind of this throwaway uh, verse and point that I brought in at the end of it. You know that verse, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom? We sing the song? Okay. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? But we know that the Spirit of the Lord is everywhere. But we don't see freedom everywhere. So maybe we're actually misunderstanding what that verse is trying to say. And there is another way of translating that verse or thinking about the verse, which is, where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. And as we were speaking about that on that night, we um, we decided as a group that if we want more of the kingdom to break through, because freedom is a sign of the kingdom breaking through, if we want more of the kingdom, we need to make the Holy Spirit Lord more than what we are right now. And since that day, I have to say, our kinship has done a little bit of a switch, particularly when it comes to doing things that, Require the presence of god we 've seen an outpouring of the prophetic, which has it 's gone up a notch from what it was before. The worship has changed a lot as well we 've always had great worship in our kinship because so many of the people that come to our kinship are part of the worship team. but I never get to do more than two songs i, I 'll I'll do a song and then i 'll kind of get the next one going and by the time I'm at the end of the second song. Everyone is singing in tongues and singing their own songs. And we've got people dancing in the middle of the lounge. And we've had to... um, (laughs) Karen and I went to our neighbors to apologize to them for all the noise. And we had all the windows closed. And I've had to start using a guitar amp in worship just so that people can hear my guitar. It's just... The presence of God is so strong during worship at at, at the kinship because the group has made this decision. We're going to say the Holy Spirit is Lord. And it's just been so different. You see, power and authority flow when we make the declaration that Jesus is Lord and we ourselves submit to the power and authority of Jesus. And Jesus models this. In John chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So when Jesus was on the earth, he spoke with such authority, and he healed with authority. He taught with authority. But he himself put himself under the authority of God when he did it. And I believe that that is why he was able to speak with the authority that he did. See, I believe authority is meant to flow from top down to bottom, and it needs to flow. It's like authority is a waterfall, right? When we stand under the waterfall, we are receiving authority from God, and then as we exercise our own authority, we have power in it. When we step out from under the waterfall, You're still wet for a while, but immediately you start drying up, and you find that the authority that you're trying to exercise starts getting less and less and less, and it diminishes until eventually you just don't have authority because we ourselves have stepped out from under the authority of God, and this is is often because we have idols in our lives. One of the things we're going to do this morning is go after some idols. But what is an idol? I don't mean a sort of little statue that we worship. An idol is something that you value more than God. If any of you had to come to me and invite Karen and I to go and do something, I'm not immediately going to say yes. I'm first going to go and check in with Karen, right? In case she is tired or if she wants to do something else. And the reason why I would do that is because, sorry guys, I value her more than I value you. Um, I'm first going to check in with her. So, if you want to know if you've got an idol in your life, an idol is anything that you have to consult before you say yes to Jesus. An idol is anything that you have to consult before you say yes to Jesus. Now, if you have to consult something before you say yes to Jesus, that area of your life is out from under the waterfall of God, and you're going to see diminished authority in your life. You need to step back into the waterfall. And you do that by letting go. All of those things you're trying to keep hold on and uh, keep keep a tight control of, or say, this is mine. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it my way. You need to let go of that stuff and say, Jesus is Lord. Then you will speak with authority. You will heal with authority. You will move in authority because we're under the answer of God, the authority of God. I want to have a, a picture or a art piece one day in my house that says, the answer, Jesus, is yes. Now, what is the question? Now, imagine if, imagine if we lived our lives like that. That is what it means to have no idols in your life. So, in our kinship, we decided to take this quite seriously, this whole submission thing, Right? And, um, so what we did was we decided to go on a a month long mind, body, and spirit detox. So, you know, a detox is when you flush your system of all the bad eating habits that you've been, uh, you've been putting it through for a while. So we thought we have a mind and we have a spirit as well, right? So we're going to go through a mind, body, and spirit detox. And what that meant for me, one of the things that I did was the Holy Spirit showed me that at the end of a day of work, I had gotten used to relying on watching a TV show or a movie to kind of unwind from the day. You you know what I'm, you get home, you actually just want to D-Day yourself, clear your mind of everything. So I'd gotten used to just watching a TV show. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Trent, I want you to learn to rely on me to unwind from the day. So for a whole month, I had no TV, no movies to watch. I wasn't allowed to do any of that stuff. I'd get home from work, and I had to spend that time with the Holy Spirit to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit, to unwind from the day. And everybody did different things. Obviously, what we're actually doing was fasting, right? You guys get that? We were um, denying ourselves something and replacing it with something that would be seeking the Spirit of God. And in doing so, I learned how to make the Holy Spirit, Lord, of an aspect of my life. Learned how to, um, I learned how to submit that. At the end of it, we decided that, well, Karen and I decided, we're going to have a whole day of, of fasting and prayer. And we kind of threw it out there to our kinship, you know, to say, do any of you guys want to join? Just throwing it out there. You never know if people are going to take them up on it. Um, the whole day, people were just in and out of our house. It was brilliant. You know, someone would walk into our house and, not even say anything to us, just go sit on a couch and, and, and do some God stuff, you know, drawing or reading or writing or whatever it is that they did. And it, was, it was great. What I did was um, I wanted to go deep into some Scripture for a while. And I started reading Psalm 139. And I read the first verse, which is, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And a few hours later, I was still on verse one. I didn't manage to get past verse one. Um, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And that led me to a revelation of something else that I had been doing to give away power and authority in my life. Corey, jump us to number two there, please. I was always trying to be somebody else. When we were in London, right, Karen and I used to live in London. We got to watch the band Delirious a few times. You guys know Delirious, right? Great band. At this conference that I was at, the guitarist, his name is Stu G. He read out uh, the lyrics of a song that they were still writing at the time, a song called Our God Reigns. And one of the verses takes a shot at our Western culture where we're always trying to find a cure for being unlovely, unattractive, not worth enough. He, so the verse takes a shot at that. And this one line hit me. It says, Psalm 139 is the conscience to our selfish crime. God didn't screw up when he made you. He's a father who loves to parade you. So we got together as a, as a group on a, on a Saturday morning, our kinship. And what I did was I gathered us all around and uh, I read out Psalm 139 verse 1. And the original Hebrew of that verse is so much deeper than what we read. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. It's, he has dissected us into the smallest of parts. And he's examined each of those tiny parts of us to know how we're made up. He's cohabited our bodies. And he knows every thought that we have. He sees... Every hearse, every moments of joy, every disappointment that we've ever had, every moment of love that we've had. That's the depth of knowing and searching that God has in that verse. And so what I did was I, I handed around some pieces of paper and I said, right, we're going to listen prophetically and we're going to share with the other people in our group how God sees them and how He knows them. And so we sat in silence for a while in the morning and we people started handing these pieces of paper around the room and people started reading how God sees them and how he knows them. And at the end of that, we took our pieces of paper and we read them out to declare the truth of what we had. And that was powerful. But then later on in the afternoon, I started seeing some Facebook status updates. I do have permission to read these. So these are some of the things that um, people in the kinship started posting. I am a daughter of the king. Next one. My father is the ruler of the universe and everything and everyone in it. I am not only seen, covered, and protected by God, but he values me highly. He thinks about me a lot. He loves me in every possible way, and he's pleased with me. Another status update, God hears me, I have his listening ear at all times. Then another one, God says I am beautiful and his heart is full for me. He loves me and I belong to him. Another one, God sees in me exactly what he hoped for when he created me. And God sees my strength, I am a leader, he loves hanging out with me. God loves my creativity. He's made me unique. I have something to offer that no one else can. Then another status update. It turns out that I am seen, I am heard, and I am enjoyed by God. I am loved. I am pleasing. I am both bursting and bubbling with joy. I'm something of a work in progress. I am in possession of hidden depths, and most importantly, I am correct in my assertion that there is more for me than my current circumstances would have me believe. If this is the result of being searched and known, I think maybe I can handle that. Now, that stuff just makes me emotional, (laughs) which actually is a side point. If you know me, then... um, I've been married for about 14 years and and Karen has never ever seen me cry. I don't cry. But put me in a situation where I see God moving and doing something, I'm a soppy mess. And um, I I asked God why he does that one day because it can get frustrating. You try and share a prophetic word and you can't even get the words out. Anyway, um, I asked God why he does that to me and he said, Trent, I created you to be a soppy mess. It's years of... Growing up as a a young man in in South Africa, and I know you guys have a similar culture over here, it's just beaten it out of you. You've, You've kind of put that away. But when you draw near to me, you become more who you are meant to be. So that's why I become a soppy mess, just so you know. Now, power and authority flow when we make the declaration that we are who God created us to be. Unashamedly. So... I I am a husband. I I am a friend. I I am a leader. I am a worshiper. I'm a pastor. I am a teacher. I'm a loved child of God. I have power. I have authority, and I'm not ashamed of any of it because I am a child of God. God didn't create you to be somebody else. Do you ever think about the ridiculousness of that statement where we sometimes think God really did create us to be somebody else. Like he would go to all of the trouble of making me, me, and then expect me to be somebody else. It just doesn't make any sense. But somehow we still think that God wants us to be somebody else and he doesn't. Can you you acknowledge the beauty of the truth of who you are? Power and authority flow when we make the declaration that we are who God has created us to be. To live life to the full is to be fully who you are. But that's hard because I don't always want to be who I am. Um, I never plan to have grey hair in my 30s. I never actually plan to have grey hair in my 20s either, but there you go. Um, I look at what other people are doing and I want to do that because it's awesome. I, um, I look at what God is doing through other people. And I think, God, why can't you use me that way? I want to be like that person. And so we look at other people and we kind of lift them up and, and we get jealous of what they're doing. And then we look at ourselves and we just trash ourselves worth. And gosh why do we do that? Why do we do that? We need to stop. You're beautiful. You're powerful. You are loved. You know, you know what I love about the the youth and and the young adults of the church, right? They still believe that they can change the world. I love it. I really do. Do you ever watch um, the youth sing that Jake Hamilton song, Anthem? got some lyrics for you. He's calling, wake up, child. It's your turn to shine. You were born for such a time as this. I am royalty. I have destiny. I have been set free, and I'm going to shake history. Do you watch the youth sing that song? They don't sing it with doubt. Am I going to be able to do it? Am I going to be able to shake history? Or is it someone else that's going to do it? They sing the song because they know that they were created to shake history. If you're a bit older, um, you know that history, uh, that um, delirious song, History Maker? Did you guys ever sing that one here? This is for people who've been around a bit longer. Well, it's true today that when people stand with the fire of God and the truth in hand, we'll see miracles, we'll see angels sing, we'll see broken hearts making history. I love that line. Yes, it's true, and I believe it. We're living for you. I'm going to be a history maker. Exactly when did we start believing that God never called us to change history? Exactly when did we start believing that we don't have the authority to shake history, to change the world? When did we start believing that? see, the enemy can't change who you are. He can't change the authority that you have. He can't change the calling that's on your life. The only thing that he can do is make you believe that you're a pathetic, weak, unloved mistake. Because when he does that, he knows that you're going to stop moving in authority because you no longer believe you have it. And that's been the the tactic of the enemy for centuries. And I suppose he's gonna stop doing it when it stops working. Guys, seriously, you are mighty. You are loved. You are a daughter or a son of God. You are exactly who God created you to be. You are precious to the Father. You're royalty. You are. You have destiny. You um you've been set free, and now it's time to start shaking history. Now is the time we need to go and shake history. We need to do it. Power and authority flow when we make the declaration and step into who we are meant to be. So what does shaking history look like? And obviously it's different for all of us. But this led to the third revelation that I had on things that I had done in my life to give away power and authority, which is forget your calling, forget your purpose, just go and do something else. So, I work for a consulting company in the city, right? And um, they give me a job to do. I have, I have targets and I've got goals. And like everybody does, I have a job that I have to do. And for me to be able to do my job, the, uh, the company that I work for has given me a certain level of authority, because otherwise I wouldn't be able to do my job. Now... I can't tell anybody in my company to do something that isn't part of their job because that's outside of my authority. If I do it, they'll laugh at me. I can't tell anybody that is outside of my line of business to do anything because they'll laugh at me. I don't have the authority to do that. You see, the kingdom of God works in exactly the same way. Remember how Jesus sent the disciples up? He gave them power and authority over every kind of demon and every kind of sickness. Then he sent them out to declare the kingdom of God and heal the sick. You see, he gave them power and authority to do what he told them to do. And they were amazed because the demons submitted to them and people were healed. But what if they had tried to do something outside of the boundary of what Jesus had asked them to do? What if they were healing people and seeing these amazing things happen And decided, well, I'm going to set up a school of ministry here, or I'm going to write a book about healing. I think they would have seen the authority that they had start to drift away. Because that is not what they were given authority to do. So that's how the kingdom of God works. You have authority to do what God has created you to do and what he has commissioned you to do. I saw this happen in my life before I understood it as a concept. So... Let's, let's sort of wind back sort of about 10 years or so ago. we back in South Africa. Um, I was a youth leader. I was a terrible youth leader. I really was. I'll, I'll say that up front. But um, I, was, I was at this event, and, and I, was, I was speaking, and I was also leading worship. And you also got to understand that at this point when I was leading worship, I was a terrible guitarist. It was just, I had just started playing guitar in church, and um, this, this was at that moment where my pastor heard me, and he came to me and said, don't worry, Trent, you'll get better. So, this, this is the point of my life that I'm in, when, and, and I'm leading worship. And at that time, God had not given me authority to teach anyone. I wasn't a teacher at the time. Um, it wasn't what he called me to do. Um, but he had told me, Trent, you're going to lead worship. And there were some prophetic words that um, that I'd received about that. And worship has been one of the consistent ways that God has used me um, in my Christian walk with Jesus. And so I, I kind of stood in front of this sea of bored faces, right? I was trying to teach them something. Um, and uh, they just kind of stared at me in this really kind of blank, bored way. It was horrible. Um, I just felt myself dying inside, sort of the more I kind of try to speak to these guys, and they just look so bored. And, um, and so I actually cut the talk short after five minutes, because I was like, I can't handle this anymore. This is just not going to go anywhere good. So we'll, we'll do some worship. And, um, and so I picked up the guitar, and I only knew a few chords, but I started, you, you know that Hillsong song, This Is My Desire? So <clears throat> I closed my eyes, which is a, it, it's a trick you learn when you're leading worship for youth, because if you close your eyes, you can pretend that they're singing, um, even though nothing has happened. But anyway, I closed my eyes, and um, I just started singing, This Is My Desire. To honor you. And I opened up my eyes, and the floor was just full of people who had fallen down to the ground and they were weeping and they were worshiping. From completely bored to the Spirit of God just fell on these kids. Now, It wasn't that I was a bad teacher, but I didn't have the authority to teach at the time. It wasn't that I was a good worship leader. I had no idea what I was doing, but the authority of God was on me to lead these kids into worship. And so when I was doing what I, well, it was a job that was in front of me, but I didn't get called to it, I wasn't seeing the results, I wasn't seeing the authority, but as soon as I stepped into something that God said, this is what you're made to do, power and authority just flowed. So if you're not seeing the kingdom of God break through, it might be because you're actually doing the wrong thing. There are people in this room who have authority to plant kingdom seeds in those kids next door. What are you doing in this room? There's people in this room who have authority on their lives to go out and proclaim the love of God and the kingdom of God and draw people in, and people need to hear it. We, as a church, need you guys to be doing that because you are the ones who have the authority to grow the church. We need everybody to be doing what they were created to do. What if you're not sure? I mean, or what if you haven't been given, you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing in the kingdom of God. Well, there's some things that God has given everybody to do, and everybody has authority to do these things. Heal the sick, feed the poor, to care for the widows and the orphans, serve your pastors, pray for the church. Everybody can be doing these things. How about we start there? How about we start there? We can just dive into those things. So, if you want to live a fruitless and powerless life, there's three tips there. You dive into those, okay? You do those things, and you are going to have very little power and authority in your life. That's, there's a money-back guarantee on that. You can, you, you can trust me on that. you you go do those things. But if you're crazy enough to believe that you can shake history, we want to do some business with God. Now... No one can pray for you to receive authority. God has given you the authority. But maybe you have given some of that away by choosing to step out from under the authority of God. If that's you, you need to do some business with God and stand up and say, Jesus is Lord. Step back under the authority of God and start moving in authority. If you have given some of the authority that you have away by trying to be someone else and by rejecting who you are, you need to stand up and say, I am who God created me to be, and I am beautiful. I am loved. I am powerful. I am a son or a daughter of the king, and then start moving in the authority of that. If you've been sort of trying this fruitless ministry out and and you're just not seeing any results in it, it might be that you've been doing completely the wrong thing. Leaders, you need to go and lead. Now, I know we have this um, tall poppy thing going on in Australia where you kind of think if you sort of step up to say, well, I'm going to lead something, people are going to bring you down. Well, enough of that. Step up and lead. You don't apologize for your leadership position. You step up and you do it because the church needs you to be doing it. Teachers, you need to be teaching. Prophets, there's prophets in this church. You need to be standing up and declaring the word of the Lord. Evangelists, we need you to be stepping out onto the streets, sharing the news of the kingdom, sharing with people that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, and that this is a place where they will be welcomed and loved because we need those people to be stepping into the kingdom. Apostles, there's churches out there that need to get planted. Why are we still here? Don't wait for the authority to fall on you. Go and use the authority that you already have.